Plenty in the news these days about work-life balance, and that's great news for us considering, hey, we're a work-life balance show. So in this episode, we're going to talk about some of the things that we've been reading lately. Maintaining a work-life balance keeps getting harder, but it doesn't have to. This is The Big Balance, a podcast for anyone struggling to stay ahead or even just keep up with work, life, and everything in between. Join us each week for practical advice you can actually apply to get a little sanity back in your day. Hey there, old friend. It's me. Did you miss me? <laughs> hey there, old friend. It has right, been a right. while. It has yeah, definitely it, been a while. It it has, and I thought that was the cheesiest, creepiest way to, to lead us in. How you doing? Hi, friend. Yes, it was creepy. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Uh, I think you are doing a little bit, I don't want to say worse, but you definitely have <laughs> a lot more on your plate than I do. I'm a little bit more tired. Yeah, you were gone for a really fun reason. I, I wasn't gone for a not fun reason. I was gone for a, a joyous event. But uh, actually, not even gone. I've been here a couple weeks. Two two out of the last three weeks, I somehow managed to scrape up episodes, even though I've been deathly tired. Well, kudos to you for that, because that was impressive and enjoyable. I'm glad we could keep our quasi streak going, even with a little hiccup. You know what I noticed, though? When I, I, I tried my damnedest to go for our typical 30 to 40 minutes. It is impossible to do by myself. Oh, yeah. I'll have a topic. I'll have what I think is a really good outline to talk about. Whole thing is done in like 15 minutes. So it's really just us bullshitting that, that goes on for 45 minutes. This, these could be like 10-minute episodes if we didn't bullshit the entire time, like I'm it's, doing right now. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> I kind of look at it as the idea of one's more commentary and the other one's the written version. So yeah. solo episodes are usually very outline focus where we go off on our tangents have fun well speaking of fun so anybody who's been listening last couple of weeks knows what i've been up to but john what have you been up to the audience wants to know well, audience needs to know well i got married um i think we teased <laughs> i think we teased it a little bit uh leading up to this week uh obviously leading up to the my absence but uh, yeah, no, got married and then went on the honeymoon pretty much right after. Honeymoon was great until it wasn't, though. I think I, <laughs> I think any- great until it wasn't. Yeah, anybody who's a three star review on Yelp of the hotel. Great until it wasn't. Well, as part of international travel requirements coming back into the country, you need a negative COVID test. Do you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> oh, God, this is, I know where this is headed. Yeah, so I tested positive uh, the day before we were scheduled to leave the resort, which in turn turned into uh, about an extra five-day stay, this time in quarantine, so I didn't get to enjoy the amenities aside from the lovely, lovely room service food. So, but wait, t- tell me how this works. So, did you, I guess, first and foremost, did you stay at the same place as your honeymoon or did you stay somewhere else? Yep. So, they, they kept us at the same resort and we were fortunate. That's good. Yeah. We were fortunate for the first two days of our, our five day quarantine, which actually it was six because they count the first day as isolation. But they kept us in the same resort and for the first two days, we were in the same room which was one of the honeymoon suites. So nice. Had, yeah. So we had all these same amenities. So 
fully stocked bar, top shelf liquor, just kind of refilled whenever we wanted. Did a lot of reading. Um, For those first two days, we were able to dip our feet in the little swim-up pool that we had at the resort. And then comes day three, and they move us to what feels like the quarantine quarters. Oh, no. Uh, Yeah, it was a room that hadn't been updated probably since the resort opened in 1981. It was pretty dated. Um, It wasn't. It's been sealed the whole time, so you know there's no COVID. Well, I think that, that might be the plan. I think they sent us to basically it feels like uh, we were like lepers who were outcasted because we could totally tell the people in the room next to us were also people who were waiting for like negative COVID tests. This guy was out on the little like balcony area coughing up a storm sitting there. Didn't oh, see him, no. yeah, didn't see him break the threshold of the little like patio area that we have. So I was like, yeah, this it's like the lepers wing in the hotel. Oh, it's yeah. Terrible. Quickly became a pariah on the resort. Well, how does that work, though? So, like, did, did they were you not allowed to leave your room? Or did they put like a big scarlet C on your chest? So, if anybody saw you, they shushed you back into your quarantine zone, or so what? you would think there would be something a little bit more formal, other than the nurse telling me to go back to your room. Somebody will call you. So you get back to your room. Somebody calls you, and they're just like, "Yeah, don't leave. We're not supposed to do anything. Just kind of stay in the room, and we'll, you know, kind of play it by ear, see how it goes." Uh, Rachel never tested positive the entire time we were down there. So she, (laughs) I don't know if I should be saying this. I might be getting myself in trouble. Uh, didn't necessarily stay in. She didn't leave the room. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that didn't, she didn't leave the room per se, but we stretched. It would have been hilarious if she just peaced out back to the U.S. Like, you can stay. I'll see so, you later. So you say that, but we had a conversation because the the manager of the resort and who was basically kind of giving us the feedback and guidance was like, I know it doesn't sound great, but if you want to avoid having to do another five-day stint, so let's just say we get to the five days and I test negative and now Rachel. Oh, what if she tested yep. positive? Oh, yep. my, yeah. So the, the manager was like, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but we recommend the other person with you kind of leaving as soon as they can. <sighs> so we had a serious discussion about, like, I was like, I'll, I'm comfortable with you getting on a flight. I'll, I'll, I'll survive here. But no, she didn't want to leave. I mean, it's like she was like, what would I say? Yeah, I just left my my newly married husband alone in Jamaica in a foreign country uh, with a positive covid test. No, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. So we waited it out. And fortunately, we both tested negative and were able to leave. So it wasn't um, wasn't a hurdle we had to cross. So here here's a conspiracy theorist in me. All right. I just had a, a call with, I, I forget what the product, it was a sales call, some some guy trying to sell my company something. And he was doing some international, he was in Europe doing some international travel, and he got COVID, and he had to quarantine. I'm thinking, you know, that's awfully convenient for any hotel owners. Oh, you have COVID? I guess you're spending five more days money here. Well, here's the here's right? the kicker. Some guy with a spray bottle spritzes you with COVID as you're as you're walking out the door on your second to last day. It didn't come out of our pocket. We didn't have to pay for those extra days. We had travel insurance, which was a requirement for the resort we were staying at. So we didn't have to go out of pocket for those extra days. Oh nice. Yeah, no, the uh, the manager of the resort wanted us out of there as quickly as possible. So they didn't, yeah, cause they, they're just, we're just eating away at costs and resources at that point. So you're not poolside, but you're still getting all, so it's all the food, none of the uh, skin, skin cancer. Basically. basically yeah. And, and I got, I got burnt while I was down there, man. So <laughs> it was doing me a favor. 
I think we've kind of gone off on a little bit of a, a COVID tangent. Um, so yes, uh, this is the first time Brian and I have had an extended conversation since both of us have been uh, back in the country and COVID free and not having a newborn on their chest, I guess, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure the last time we talked was when we called rap on the last episode we did together. Yeah. It's been that long. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I'm glad we were able to shoot the ass a little bit, right? Indeed. Well, on that note, John and I both have been out of pocket. John, literally out of pocket in quarantine. So we've both been out of the work-life balance game a bit. Coming back into this episode, we thought, let's read up on the news, see what's going on in the world that we can talk about to get back up to speed. And that's what we're going to do today. I have no actual topic intro. (laughs) All right, here's what you can use. I don't know if you ever watched those old like Law and Order commercials uh, or ads. It would be like ripped from the headlines. So here we go. This week on the Big Balance, ripped from the headlines. John and Brian take a look at I don't know some shit from the headlines. <laughs> that was the most anticlimactic way to end that. I, right, right. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Your follow through game is not strong when it comes to just. Hey, don't talk to my wife. <sighs> oh, yeah, I, I'm sure I'll come up with yeah, something. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I obviously had no intention of that actually being the, yeah. <laughs> the real topic intro. Uh, do you want to go? Do you want to do yours first? Sure. Right. Uh, what I'm going to bring to you is uh, I think we're saying pretty topical because this is from yesterday from CBS Pittsburgh, who is the local affiliate, I guess, who published this. Employers, learning employees now need more than just a paycheck. I think we've been arguing for this on the pod for better part of a year now. So this this doesn't strike me as some grand revelation. But I think the interesting thing about this article is the company that they're highlighting, a company called WorkHuman, and I don't know why, I just want to keep calling them WeWork, so that's not going to be a good, uh, a good mix-up if I do make it. But they're the one company that's trying to bridge the gap between employers trying to hold on to workers and what workers want. And without kind of, I, doing... I like that you read it like that because I feel a little bit of derision with that kind of a mission statement. So I'm, I'm glad you kind of tongue in cheek that a little bit. Right, right, and and I think, <laughs> I, I again, we're we're we don't try to be cynical. We just are. I read through this, and we will link it in the, the episode's description. But I don't know. I, without kind of going down the rabbit hole of looking into this company. Just uh, from a grand mission statement perspective, I don't really know what they do. And, and I guess, <laughs> and I guess the what is it you do here, right? And I guess the to kind of call it back to something you and I have had discussions about before outside of the pod is really the why in anything we do, and it sounds like they have um, an interesting why. I would say. Because this sounds like it's just like kind of striking why the iron's hot and just kind of hopping on something that seems like, hey, this is a hot commodity. This is a, a topical thing to talk about. Let's be a quick startup and kind of just get in here, make some money, and get out. I mean, we started a podcast for the same reason, though, but we're not making money. Yeah. So no, yeah, we're not making. So, uh, so make us better or worse? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We're not making much money. You, you don't have to completely spoil it and say we're not making any money, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, Buy our t-shirts, right? <laughs> which we don't have <laughs> a lot of sh- I've, I've noticed this a lot of shows that we talk to that i listen to that we kind of are in this little podcast social circle a lot of people are putting out merch 
Like, are, are we behind the eight ball on that? Everybody else seems to be doing it and doing it well. Well, I, I mean, I think I think it's a fun idea. I don't know how much of an appetite there is there, but if this is nothing but a vanity project as a podcast, why not just make it uh, a physical manifestation and make a shirt? I saw my face, just my my big fat face. I think it's all over. A shirt. I think it's like both of our faces and like caricature format, just kind of like you know, like <laughs> almost like one body, two heads, that kind of deal. Oh God, that's freakish. Yeah, no, we're we're a freaky pod. This is we're now going to be under the horror sci-fi subgenre too. Now on, on well, work work life balance, we could have scales in one of our heads. Oh, uh, now it sounds like a severed head thing. Though this is getting very uh, grim. Yeah. This is this has been fun, but to to reel us in a little <laughs> bit. Um, so yeah, really, what this article is saying is is we as employees have gotten the taste of the good life, and we kind of assume certain perks are kind of a given now. So work from home flexibility, that's assumed. So what do employers do to really take advantage of this knowledge that they unlocked from this work human metrics, whatever they're using to quantify this, polls, surveys, whatever. How do we take advantage of this and how do we improve the the well-being of our employees? The one recommendation they make, I'm hesitant to call it a solution, is really a recognition program and it's a way for employers to show that they care about their employees a little bit more than just a good job or or a pat on the back and that's where my blinkers kind of go off a little bit or my, my spidey senses to where i'm pretty sure every corporate organization i've worked for that was a larger firm has had something like this and i feel like it's never effective so again, the cynic in me is like, well, they're always superficial is why. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, this is your big grand revelation is that employees want to feel better than just a paycheck. <laughs> they want more than just that. This to me is just so self-serving and self-satisfying that I, I guess that's why I have such a negative taste or a negative approach to this article. Am I, am I being harsh? No. Well, here, this is, this is the bad taste that I got and it was Basically, right away, let's talk about the title of the article. Employers learning employees now need more than just a paycheck. Why? This sounds like it's breaking news that employers are just now learning that people want to be treated like people. You know, like this. Why is this considered this revelation for anybody? Already, I'm kind of put on guard that this is making it seem like, oh, employers were just tone deaf to why people were stressed out and burnt out. Now we figured it out. No, I mean, the, the things that this article talks about, things people are feeling, they're not new. And it's not even just since the whole COVID thing started. This is not a two-year-old issue. This is a, a workforce issue. I mean, the entire time I've been working, right? The entire time many people have been working. And to act like employers are just now learning what employees need, and it's more than just a paycheck. It seems maybe not tone deaf, but definitely behind the curve. This isn't some grand revelation, I think is what I called it earlier. Right. This isn't some, to your point, this isn't a new problem. This isn't a post-pandemic or pandemic-adjacent problem, and... I guess that's why the comment around snake oil. I think this is just kind of a fly-by-night consultancy who's coming in and just like, hey, you know, well, we got all the answers. It's because we've referenced a, a Gallup poll or maybe had Gartner help us with it or something. You know what I mean? It's just, I, I yeah, I, I'm very, yeah, cold on this article is what I'll say, despite the fact that I'm hot in my uh, my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me say one more thing that I kind of, 
kind of sets me off a little bit. Kind of got me wrong. I'm gonna go quote. for it. I love it. We're just yeah, we're just we're just laying into yeah. this company. Prove us wrong, work human. Yeah, you you use the phrase people got a taste of the good life. That's actually a quote from the article, and I'm gonna read that paragraph. People got a taste of the good life, laughed so and so, PhD and senior director of analytics. They realized they wanted more of that in their life moving forward. The word that gets me is the word laughed. People got a taste of the good life laughed so and so like it, it's it's just it feels patronizing like oh silly little worker no you got a taste of the good life did you oh, it's so nice <laughs> it just sounds pandering and uh, but between the sh- quote-unquote shocking revelation of the title and laughing that people got a got a few crumbs of the good life it just um i don't know i i guess to kind of end us a little bit on this because i i i feel us uh yeah just going down a rant rabbit hole and i and i don't think that's what we want to do today if it is hey you're listening so you already found out if it is or not but can i just (laughs) i'll edit it real nice don't worry (laughs) but can i just say that is the irony lost on them that somebody making comments about workers emotional states is somebody who is from the analytics department like, <laughs> how how do you put metrics behind happiness other than something like an NPS score or something like that? You know, like it's like a Pixar movie where the little robot like finds a butterfly and marvels at the free spirited natural world from its robot vantage point. Beep boop. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So anybody from work human, if you want to reach out to us, if this finds your ears, we'd love to have you on. And use our platform as as a good sales or marketing platform because we have such a large reach. <laughs> I also like the work human like we are actually people here. No robots among us. <laughs> Humans like you. I guarantee you they have a slogan or something along the lines of it's more than just numbers. It's people or something like that. <laughs> yeah, something something banal and just wish you yeah, despite the fact that all of their work is done through algorithms not algorithms people people rhythms hashtag <laughs> so that's john's article we're gonna take a quick break when we come back i'm gonna go over one that i found that i was a bit of a fan of not unsurprisingly it's a business focused article that i'm gonna try to warp to be more people centric because we care about people rhythm here so that's where we're headed next So if anybody's familiar with the name McKenzie, it's a relatively well-known firm when it comes to consulting and analytics and helping companies do a better job. John, I know you're familiar with McKenzie. Yeah, I think anybody in our line of work has at least come across something tangentially related, right? Yeah. Whether it's directly or not. Pretty much. Well, McKenzie has what they call the McKenzie Health Institute. And a few days ago, they put out an article titled, Addressing Employee Burnout, Are You Solving the Right Problem? Now, for this article, it was all about how to make sure your top performers stay with your business. Not necessarily that concerned with that here. What I'm more concerned about is kind of looking at the reasons people leave and if there are things that people listening to this show have happening to them, 
What can you do about it to make your life a little bit better, whether that means staying and addressing it at your company or leaving and going somewhere else? So I'm going to read a little bit about the article. I'll start with a quick summary, which is, overall, a lot of companies are trying to do things to address burnout, but a lot of times we're treating the symptom rather than the problem. And that I think is a pretty common thing in most businesses, right? Easiest thing to see is the the surface level effect that something has. And you try to treat that, you're just a dog chasing your own tail if you're not trying to find the core reason that bad thing is happening to start with. So in the article, we're talking about a lot of people are feeling some mental health issues. They're feeling more burnout. And to the point of the article, they're leaving their companies trying to find gigs that don't burn them out. Obviously, that's an issue for a lot of companies. So I'm going to read a bit from this article. It's relatively early in it. Uh, Many employers have responded by investing more into mental health and well-being than ever before. Across the globe, four out of five HR leaders report that mental health and well-being is a top priority for their organization. And John, I want to take a quick pause here. Maybe this is just me working at very small companies my entire life, but I don't know of any HR teams who are really that invested in things like mental health of their employees. Mostly it's just making sure payroll gets done and nobody sues the company. Do you have a different experience with HR than I do? Uh, Not really me personally, just because fortunately I, I haven't been in a position to where I really needed to explore that. I have been given the corporate speak, the the spiel that we care, but I don't know if I've ever actually needed to explore that myself. I will say that I know some folks who have, and I know that more often than not, it's just logistical red tape to get through, and and it's more of a pain in the ass than anything to kind of get any type of mental health leave or any type of added support from your organization or your company. It's more often than not too much of a pain in the ass to actually get it done. And I've just heard stories of people just kind of dealing with it or going out of pocket for it. Well, I I think the issue is, and I'm going to speak for HR professionals generally, when I am not qualified to do that. I've never worked in HR. I don't know anything about HR training or the education they get or the, the thought or theory or practice of HR. So that's my disclaimer here. But I feel like a lot of the problem... When I think of HR, it is to manage the administrative elements of having personnel. And yeah, I guess mental health is part of that insofar as it's a people issue, but I feel like that's beyond the scope of HR departments. It's not what they went to school for. It's not what they have experience in. So I feel like we're shoehorning this almost kind of therapy-esque role into an HR department that was never expecting it and doesn't have the experience in it. Is that fair? Am I kind of painting them too lightly? There, There's probably a large shift in culture or expectations in the last, we'll say, five years, maybe even a little bit less, maybe the last two years. I would say that maybe that is kind of the expectation or maybe the rule more so than the exception now. From my perspective, I would have to agree that they're not necessarily qualified or equipped to deal with that. They have so many other things that they need to worry about that it's they're not in a position to really be counseling anybody or or be advising on the best way to approach that. I feel like that's something that they would either outsource or kind of kick the can over to somebody else and say, 
hey, here are the... To work human. Yeah, to hear... Workhuman.com. Right? Here are the avenues that you can use to explore. Here's our resources. And actually, this article kind of supports that too. I'm going to read another excerpt kind of about what these employers are doing. Many companies offer a host of wellness benefits such as yoga, meditation app subscriptions, well-being days, and training on time management and productivity. In fact, it's estimated that 9 in 10 organizations around the world offer some form of wellness program. So that sounds good, but to our point, it is a bit superficial and it does feel like we're treating symptoms, not problems. And the article goes on to say, as laudable as these efforts are, we have found that many employers focus on individual level interventions that remediate symptoms rather than resolve the causes of employee burnout. So I'm going to take this on a bit more of a personal direction too, John, since you just got back from a, well, I'm going to say two thirds uh, relaxing vacation and one third quarantine prison sentence. Um, I think a lot of people at the end of the day feel like I have this vacation coming up. That's all I need. If I can white knuckle it until I get my week off, everything will be okay again. And it's not the case, especially when it comes to burnout. Burnout isn't something that you recharge from over a week or even two weeks of vacation, right? It's it's a, it's a constant kind of homeostasis you have to get to where you have enough time each day to recharge from the workload you have, each day to unwind from the stresses that you have. So I, I think a lot of these wellness programs at work or a lot of these personal measures any of us take, whether it's having a hobby after hours or going on vacation, it's helpful, but it's not enough from a burnout perspective. So I definitely feel like I got another wind, another push to get me through until the next long break. And that's not to say that I'm not satisfied with my work or I'm not happy at my job. That's more a comment on kind of the corporate culture that you and I exist within. There's not really so much that we can do other than white knuckle it, like you said, and just keep going because that's how we're programmed to be at this point. <laughs> um, if, if it pleases the court, Brian, um, I'm going to make reference to severance from Apple TV plus. They touched a little bit on this in a, in an article I read in prep for the show that we're not going to feature, but because uh, we're already at like 40 minutes. Yeah. But <laughs> again, they, it's it's you and me bullshitting is the reason these episodes take so damn yep. long. Because if this yep. was just, I, I read this article, I'm going to talk about it. I am now finished. End of episode. It'd be 15 minutes and I'd be done. Yep. No, we're bullshitting. So it's like 40 minutes. But to, to, to reel it in again, um, uh, this article that I read uh, made reference to this Apple TV show. It's called Severance. And it's with Adam Scott. I was looking at some of the other cast members. There's, it. It seems like a pretty, uh, pretty full cast for the most part. But Adam Scott is, uh, I guess, basically it's a dude a from Parks and Rec, right? That's the only thing I know him from. Yes, yeah. So Parks and Rec. Um, he's the Derek, the brother from Step Brothers. So remember the car scene? Where, oh right, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, that's okay. Two things I've seen him in. Well, uh, well, I guess this will be a third if I see this show. Big Little Lies. He was in. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He he has a. Okay, now we're definitely going off topic, but he has a podcast where it's him and I, I think it's Scott Aukerman from Comedy Bang Bang, but. <laughs> <laughs> to to go back to the the premise of the show, it's a sci-fi thriller 
basically in, I don't know if it's near future or supposed to be present day, but you can surgically uh, separate the parts of your brain. You have your work brain and your home brain. It sounds like dystopian, but it also sounds like almost like Black Mirror or something that could happen in the near future. So creepy, but very intriguing and interesting. And I'm definitely going to be exploring that as part of the discussion of the show. I know this is kind of a, a long-winded way to, to get back to the original point, and if that's not what we do in this pod, then why are you listening? But the idea of kind of having these two separate lives is uh, kind of almost problematic in itself, and I say lives, but these two separate mindsets, and we feel that burnout because it's starting to f- creep home with us. It's starting to follow us, and that's not something that happened as a result of the pandemic. That's been going on well before that i i would argue even before like laptops and things like that but the idea being that we grew a custom or we were sold this idea that you can separate these two that's never really been the case and as a result we feel unsatisfied a lot of the time i mean let me ask you something because this is definitely true of me all right do you ever have stress dreams either about when you were in school or a particularly stressful job? I Probably all the time. I think majority of my nightmares are <laughs> revolving around work conversations or school. Like, doesn't everybody have that same, like, recurring nightmare or that cliche dream to where it's like you're presenting in front of the class and you're in your underwear or something like that, right? So I don't have that one, but I, I'll tell you the one that I do have. And this comes down to... My constant fear that I'm not prepped enough or that I'm forgetting something. I have a constant recurring dream. It's not not every night, but I'm going to say like once a quarter, I'll have this dream where I'm on campus for the first day of a semester and I know I'm supposed to be in class. I don't know what class and I don't know where it is and I no, I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going today. And it's and it's it's stressful, but it's constant. And I, I think it does leak from, you know, we're all so busy. I have so many projects that I'm trying to juggle and, and keep spinning plates in the air. I'm always worried I'm forgetting something. So I have that. And I also have a dream specifically about the first job I had out of college where I, I felt a bit out of my depth. And everything's going wrong at once. Everybody's asking me for help. And I just shut down in this dream like i don't know what i'm supposed to do right now and i think that's uh those dreams those kind of things are a symptom of what you're talking about where yeah we try to compartmentalize as much as we can but it's it's not always possible to do that maybe consciously definitely not subconsciously and that's where these dreams come from so going back to this mckinsey article how do we look a bit deeper than that surface level of burnout to really get to the root cause there are a few different dimensions that McKinsey's saying are important for us to concern ourselves with and try to solve from the company's standpoint to keep us around, but from our standpoint to keep our sanity. Toxic workplace behavior, sustainable work, inclusivity and belonging, supportive growth environments, freedom from stigma, organizational commitment, leadership accountability, and access to resources. And that's a kind of a, a big laundry list of things few of these I think are pretty clear. Toxic workplace behavior. I think we've talked about toxic workplace behavior here. I know we've done episodes on specifically toxic work, so I don't think there's too many questions here. Yeah, no, we've we've <laughs> we've dived into that ad nauseum. Inclusivity and belonging, organizational systems leaders and peers foster a welcoming and fair environment. 
I feel like this is a hard one for a lot of companies. I think a lot of companies have that good old boys club going on. And a lot of it is if you're in the club, you can do no wrong. And everybody else gets viewed under a slightly different microscope. So of all of these, I would say if anybody's feeling burnout, I feel like that would be one of them. Kind of that double standard that a lot of people face. I think there's a part of it, too, that's kind of performative when when it is that way. So when you describe that good old boys club, there's that constant you know, putting on the best face because you want to be in the good graces of that club or you want to be a member of that club. And the goal is to basically schmooze your way to the top for a lot of folks. And that could just be so damn exhausting, especially if you're losing steam, kind of overall losing just motivation. Yeah, and and the insidious part there is because we're all trying to get in that club, we're all also at the same time kind of putting a rubber stamp of approval on it too, saying that this is the right way to do things. This is how it should be, where I think this isn't a great thing to have in our office and we should all fight against it. But no, we're all trying to climb the ladder in the same way and doing so kind of en masse validates it, which is a problem. Next one, sustainable work. Organization and leaders promote work that enables a healthy balance between work and personal life. Cue the uh, the name of the podcast, including a manageable workload and work schedule. I know I'm not alone in feeling like this is getting further and further out of reach for me. So it might be a little insidious, but... I think there's this kind of silent rebellion among workers at a certain point to where it's almost like I'm going to hot dog it or, you know, kind of slack off to just the right amount to where I do just either the bare minimum or enough to where I can continue to fly under the radar. And then there's kind of this weird gray area to where it's like I could do a little bit more and it's so impressive. And then maybe I get myself a promotion out of it. And then what happens? You kind of take on more work. It's it feels like there's this kind of collective understanding that all of us who are kind of the worker bees, the cogs in the machine, don't do too much, don't do too little, because then you ruin it for the rest of us. And I don't know, do you do you kind of get a similar uh, vibe or, or feel that that kind of exists in a certain degree? 100%. And I'll tell you what I think the issue is. It's, it's, a, it's a communication issue. I'll give you an example of what I mean. Let's say I'm overworked, overallocated, and I have a conversation with my boss or my boss's boss about it where they say, hey, we need you to take care of this one more project. And I say, guys, I'm overloaded. I got nothing else to give you. That's not going to be received well, right? Even if it's true, even if I'm working 60 hours in a 40-hour span, that's not going to be well-received by higher-ups who want a can-do attitude at all costs, right? It's We romanticize this get-it-done attitude even when we're not given the resources to do it. So what's the response? Is to do kind of what you just said, which is find little ways to slack here and there. And that's not a work-from-home thing, by the way. That's people... <laughs> People have found industrious ways to be not industrious in the office. We were too. doing it well before the work. From yeah, home. it's just uh, it's just different things that you're doing now. Yeah, I'm doing laundry instead of roaming the work kitchenette for 15 minutes looking for anybody to talk to at the water cooler. Right. It's if I felt that I could go to my boss and constructively have a conversation about my allocation to where it could actually get solved, I don't think that that would be an issue for most people. But because they know they can't. That's why they do these kind of like I think you use the term under the radar kind of that's that's why it happens that way. So, yeah, I think it's definitely an issue. And 
whole great resignation thing's not making it easier. A lot of companies are losing people, and the few people who are left are being asked to stretch farther and farther, but not really given the resources. And it's not even just not being given the resources. Another another chagrin of mine. A lot of companies aren't just having trouble hiring. They're acting like they're not, right? So there's this elephant in the room in management meetings about personnel and resource allocation where nobody's actually talking about the fact that we're losing people in all of these industries in a number of areas in the country. We're not talking about that. We're not making business decisions based on it. And if we're not willing to recognize the issue, of course, we're not going to address it properly, right? For every three that are walking, it's like you're hiring one more. That's not fixing anything. But... Yes, it's, it's not even maintenance at that point. It's not even maintenance level hiring. Next up, supportive growth environment. Managers care about employee opinions, well-being, and satisfaction and provide support and enable opportunities for growth. I'd love for this to be the case, and I think a lot of managers want to do this, but everything we just talked about prior to this point, if everybody's just trying to, to keep up and maintain operations, I don't know that there's enough gas in the tank for management to really... <laughs> unfortunately care about a lot of that uh, as much as they should they're trying to keep the lights on right so I, I i'm a broken record on this pod if nothing else but the the cynical view of that the cynical perspective is that really people only want to do enough just to cover their own ass and that extends beyond just you that extends to your manager and their manager and their manager you're always looking out for you know number one now, this next one is an issue, and I, <laughs> I know it's not going to be solved by, by anytime soon by any significant number of organizations because I think it's really cultural, at least in the U.S. it is. Freedom from stigma and discrimination. Freedom from the level of shame, prejudice, or discrimination employees perceive towards people with mental health or substance abuse conditions. Not qualified to talk about the substance abuse part of that, but as far as the mental health thing goes, again, talking about burnout, our culture is that can-do, overextend yourself, under-promise, over-deliver mindset, and we romanticize the guy who puts it all on the line working 80 hours a week at the expense of his family. It's just, the country's always been that way. And I think it's turning around now, and hopefully the number of people who listen to our show, uh, they, they see value in what I'm talking about here. I think it is turning around, but I think we're a very far way away from this freedom from stigma about needing personal time uh, or, or needing self-care. I, I don't see those on the immediate horizon for most of the C-suite out there. I don't disagree at all, and I think there absolutely is still a stigma around substance abuse and those types of tendencies and, and issues. So I, I know you say we're not qualified to, to speak on that, and I 100% agree, but just from an outsider's perspective, I, I know that that exists. So there's three more things on the list, and I'm going to group them together just for the sake of time, and also because I think collectively, John, they do dovetail nicely into the article that you selected for today. Organizational accountability, leadership commitment, and access to resources. And I think the common trend among all three of these things is what is it that leadership is recognizing as their responsibility to their people, and as a result, what are they giving out to those people as a lifeline? Looking at things like 
is the organization actually trying to track these things? Going back to the whole, uh, you already said it's not we work. What's it called? We 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 are human. <laughs> work human worker. Human. Yeah, work, work human. human. Yeah, are, are companies like work human tracking KPIs to to make sure people are as not burnout or as burnout as we think they are? And then based on that, are leaders actually making that a top priority to address, or are they more or less sweeping it under the rug? Part of that addressing the issue is giving access to those resources, things people can do to really address their mental health needs. And that's going to be either uh, resources or I would say also giving time off and things like that when people need it or encouraging people to take the time off they already earned. So I don't know how far companies are going in any of those three directions. John, I think the article that you read at least suggests it's something that's becoming more top of mind. I, I think either way, it, it shows that this is something that's a topic of conversation at the very least. So that hey, if, if we're talking about it, I guess that's a good first step. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, what my thought has been and what I like about this article and what I think validates my position, which is when we look at all of those factors that McKinsey's saying are at issue None of those things are solved easily. None of those things are solved quickly. And more to the point, taking a vacation isn't going to really help getting a, a massage in the office. If you work at Google or other companies who offer that kind of amenity, it's not going to do it either. It, it, it takes a systemic change to the way we work. And a large part of that is making sure we have a workload that actually is sustainable for us to to get done every day, every week, every month. So I, I think that's that's the hard part. It's it's easy to throw money at a problem when it comes to buying these kinds of programs for people, but they're all symptom treatments. They're not treating the actual cause. Hey, you said it best, brother. The last note I want to leave off on from the article is this. Uh, a lot of companies laud employees who have flexibility and who can react and pivot when it comes to facing adversities like these. And that's great for the employee, but it's not so great for the employer. This research found that employees with a high degree of adaptability were actually 60% more likely to report intent to leave their organization if they experience high levels of things like toxic work behavior. So it's, it's not so much that being adaptable is a good thing for an employee to be from an, a company perspective. It's actually those people who are more likely to recognize the situation's bad one and leave. So I think where I would want to leave off this episode from my perspective is these are all red flags that we should look for. So when you're thinking about uh, what kind of burnout you're feeling, think about the long-term effect. Think about the solutions that are in front of you and if they're actually applicable and they can actually help you solve burnout. And if they're not, what would actually get you there? So that's going to do it for me, John. I don't know if you have anything. Well, we went for about an hour already. I don't know what it's going to be after we finish editing, but uh, long episode today. Yeah, and we're we're both old heads now, so we're tired. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you listened to the episodes I did while you were on vacation, but I did an entire episode about me being tired. So, yeah. Like I said, we're old heads. All right, well, thank you all. Uh, welcome back, John. Glad you had a good trip back from quarantine. And we'll see everybody else out there next week for another John and Brian episode moving forward. Look forward to it. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. 
Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time. Fully stopped bar, Adam Scott. 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 Fully stopped bar.